0: The previous message was recorded during our morning worship service. Feel free to share or reproduce this recording, but please do not charge for the content or alter it in any way. This podcast is recorded by Mike Klein. The message was preached by Pastor Daniel Edwards. And I am Kara Zendt. Earlier, we have been looking at Galatians because we believe uh, that God's truth makes a difference in our lives. And we have spent three sermons uh, covering the first 40 verses of Galatians. And this morning, we'll be looking at these 11 verses that I read to you a few moments ago. Just over 20 years ago, and it's hard for me to say that, over 20 years ago, when I was 14 and in the eighth grade, I was in choir. And I was in choir, not because I had gone out for choir, I was in choir because everyone in our school was required to be in choir. It was not an elective, it was an essential. And we had a Christmas play that we did, and so there were parts that were given out for the Christmas play, and I received a speaking part. I think that was mainly because they wanted me to speak and not sing. So I was called with the group of everyone else that was going to receive speaking parts to the choir room so that we could receive our parts, and they were handing out each role, and I got a speaking part, and would you believe I got the speaking part to be a preacher in this play. Now, immediately I was like, this is great, because there were very few lines, and the lines that I had, I was going to be able to have them on the pulpit in front of me, and read them. So I just found out I was going to have a great role. I wasn't going to have to do a whole lot of work. I wasn't going to have to sing. This was going to be great. And we're sitting in these rows in the, uh, the, the choir room, and I had a seat in the back row, and there was this guy named Billy that sat in front of me, and Billy was my friend. He was uh, a year older than me. We were, we were pretty close, and he received one of the major speaking parts, and so I'm sitting there looking over my lines, and Billy goes up to get his lines, and he's looking down at the paper with his lines on them, and as he comes back to his seat, I've noticed he's not really paying attention. He's looking at his lines. And I thought, this is going to be great. And so as he turned around and went to sit down, I pulled his chair out from under him. And it was hilarious for about a moment. Because when Billy fell down, everybody laughed. But what was really obvious pretty quick was that I hadn't pulled the chair back far enough. So when Billy went down, not only did he hurt his pride, but he hit his back on the chair And he was physically in pain. And so, there in the middle of this choir room, he goes to crying. And everyone who's laughing is now looking at me like, You are a horrible individual. I can't believe you did that. And I felt awful, I felt bad about it. I apologized to him numerous times. After the meeting was over, I went to the director and I said, listen, I understand if you're going to remove me from the play. I, I, I didn't feel like I should be allowed to be a part of the production after that. And I thought about that story as I was looking through Galatians 2 and Galatians 3 this week. Because in that moment, I felt absolutely evil. But I felt badly about what I had done. And in that moment where everyone was laughing, they stopped laughing and they felt badly for Billy that he had been hurt. And their laughter turned to sympathy. But when we look at Galatians 2 and 3, what Paul is telling them is that they have been putting their trust in the gospel. And now they're putting their trust in something else. Evil forces, false teachers, had encouraged the Galatians to find their rest and put their trust in something different. To put their trust in their ability to keep the rules and to keep the laws. So in those moments, as they're starting to sit in this chair, evil is pulling the chair out from under them. And Satan would love more, nothing more, he would love nothing more, if this morning, this week... If this year in your life, instead of putting your hope and trust in Christ, you could put your hope and trust in something else. Because he will remove that chair as you go to sit down, and you'll fall to the floor. He would love to do that, because anything else that you would put your hope and trust in, whether it's your career, whether it's money, whether it's some, some leisure activity, some hobby, if you look to it to give you meaning or hope or happiness in your life, you're putting your hope and trust in something that He can move, that He can pull out from under you. You're putting trust in something that isn't a sure foundation. This morning, you're sitting in pews that have been screwed to the floor. So that the people behind you can't pull them out from under you. So that they don't rock when you sit in them. They've been secured. And so you have something secure to sit down in. Paul says in Galatians chapter 3 and verse 1, Who has bewitched you, Galatians? Who has fooled you? Who has caused you to look to something else? Who has caused you to put your hope in something else? You see, he's telling them, you had your hope in Christ, and now you're putting your faith in something that will be pulled out from under you. Who has fooled you? Who has tricked you? This lie that the Galatians were falling for, it's one that's easy to fall for because it's appealing. It is appealing to us to put our hope in something other than Christ, because when we put our hope in self, we feel pretty good about ourselves. We give ourselves credit. We think that we're able to do it. We think that we're able to accomplish it. And the lie that Satan tells people who haven't realized they're sinners is, hey, you're okay, it's not that bad. But the lie that he tells people like us who realize that we need help and that we're broken, the lie that he tells us is that you can fix this. You can, you can make this happen. You can turn your life around. If you're dedicated enough, if you're committed enough, if you keep enough rules, if you keep enough passion, then you can do it on your own. But the problem is that you and I are unable of fixing what is broken in us. You and I are unable to make this change on our own. You and I are unable to put ourselves back together. (coughs) Jared Wilson said, "There are a thousand new self-help books every year because they don't work. Because self is the problem. You can't self-help yourself into the person that you're called to be, who you were created to be, because your self is the problem." And friends, this morning, if Christ is a sure foundation that you can stand on, that you can rest on, if Christ is a sure foundation that you can build your life on, if He is a sure foundation, yourself, your ability, your zeal, your passion, it's like a banana peel at the top of a steep hill. It's not sure. It'll be pulled out from under you when you go to sit down. You'll find yourself on the ground with bruised pride. And a bruised back. It's amazing to me that Paul is writing this to one of the first groups of churches that he planted. Because this is not a new problem. The idea that we can do it The idea that that we can put our lives back together, that we can fix what is broken in our lives, that we can fix what's broken in our families, that we can fix what's broken in our finances. This is a lie that has been told from the very beginning. Paul's very first church struggled with this. And he has to write them and say, it's not through your effort, it is through God's grace. It is He who does this work in you. Today, we hear messages that promise us that you can live your best life. That you can have all of these things. That if you, if you have faith enough, you can have the car that you want, the house that you want. There's this prosperity gospel that's lifted up, but it's nothing new. It's the same message that was given to the Galatians when they were told, yeah, Jesus is good. It's good that you have Jesus. But if you really want your life to be everything you'd hoped and dreamed, you need to do these six things. You need to take these four steps. You need to incorporate these three principles. And your problem is, Is not that you have missed one of the five steps or one of the four truths or one of the three principles. Your problem is that you need Jesus. That's the issue. That's the heart of the matter. So Paul starts back at the very beginning. In chapter 2, verse 15, he says, we are justified by faith in Christ. The path to justification is, Is faith. Verse 16 says, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Jesus Christ. Now, Paul is talking about those who were Jews, those who grew up keeping all of the rules, those who grew up in the tradition of the church. In other words, those who had a head start on everyone. He says, even we need to trust in Jesus to be justified. Even those whose lives seem to be somewhat put together, even we have to trust in Christ to receive forgiveness of our sins. He says, only through faith are we justified. And no one will be justified by the work of the flesh. Now, this word justification, it means to to be made right. And the opposite of it would be condemnation. So when we think in our minds of a courtroom, And there is a defendant who's been accused of crimes. And they've had all of the witnesses and they've had all of the evidence put out. The jury has gone back and deliberated. They've come back and let the judge know they've come to a verdict. The defendant is told to rise as the verdict is read. And he is either exonerated and acquitted and let go. Or he is condemned and sentenced to his punishment. But in that moment, they are only pronouncing their judgment of his condition. They're only saying, we have found him to be guilty, or we have found him to be innocent. And you and I both know that there have been people they found guilty that were innocent. And there have been people they found innocent that were guilty. You see, they're they're not saying what his condition is, they're saying what their judgment on his condition is. But what Paul is talking about here, and please get a hold of this, is that faith in Christ does not give some pronouncement on who we are. Faith in Christ makes us innocent. It's not saying that a jury finds us innocent. It's saying God has made us innocent. Do you see the difference? God isn't just showing us what He thinks. He's making us righteous. He's making us right with Him. Our courts only have the power to pronounce judgment on a man's condition, but our God has the power to change His very condition. And Paul says, even those of us who lived pretty good lives, those of us who kept a lot of the laws, God is the only one who could make us righteous. He's the only one that could justify us. And He wasn't just telling us what He thought. He wasn't telling us whether we had fooled the jury or not. He's telling us that He is making us righteous. Now some of us, we're better than others at making ourselves look innocent, right? We're we're better at justifying our actions and making excuses for what we've done. Some of us, we're no good at it at all. Just last night, my daughter came running to me and said, Lincoln, her brother, my son, Lincoln hit me first. And Lincoln said, yeah, but she hit me second. (laughs) He needs to work on his defense a little bit, doesn't he? He's to work on his justification. He'll get there. Trust me, he'll get there. But you and I, we don't have to make ourselves out to be innocent. God makes us innocent. We don't have to make ourselves out to be righteous. God makes us righteous. And what Paul says here is that even those who had grown up in the law, Jews like us, even we must have faith in Christ if we're going to be justified. Only he can make us justified. But the, the popular idea today is that the way that we are justified is by doing good. If you were to walk up to a stranger on the street today and say, what does it mean to be a Christian? you would probably get to an answer something like, try to do good and be kind. It may be that here this morning, you think that the Christian life is trying about do, trying to do good deeds and do what God would have you to do. That doesn't make you a Christian. Faith in Jesus makes you a Christian. That's what transforms us, is faith in Him. And thank goodness. Thank goodness that it is He who makes us righteous and not us who make ourselves righteous because a lot of us, we would be a lost cause, wouldn't we? If only those that are good, only those that are good at keeping the rules, only those that are good at keeping the law, if only those are able to accept the gospel, there's a lot of us that are in bad, bad shape. Because it wasn't in my nature to do the right thing. It wasn't in my nature to do what God would have me to do. It's always been in my nature to do the wrong thing. And what Paul is telling them is, no matter if you're good or bad, whether you're a Jew or a Gentile, whether you know the laws or you've never heard of the law, if you have faith in Christ, you can be made righteous. And that makes this the gospel, the good news, because it's to all Men. If somebody came up to you and said, hey, hey, did you hear the good news? No, what's the good news? The country club down the street just added a new water feature off the 11th hole. And you say, so what? I'm not a part of the country club. I don't play golf. I'm never going to see that. I'm not a part of the club. It doesn't apply to me. It's not good news to me. And if the message of Jesus is only for those that are in the club, it's not good news. But it is the gospel message of good news because it is for all men. That all can place their faith in Christ and be justified. So Paul says when we have faith in Christ, we are made right. We're made just. So the the path to justification is through faith. And then Paul says, so we understand this and we agree on this. Now let me show you that the path to justification is faith and the path to sanctification is faith. See, sanctification is being made whole. It's being made right. It's God working out all of the problems in my heart and nature. God coming and dealing with all of those sins that I so regularly fall into. Just as I'm justified and forgiven by faith in Christ. I am sanctified and made right by faith in Christ. It isn't that we we are forgiven and our sins are forgiven, and that's like first grade Christianity, and then we need to change gears and move on to, to, to second grade Christianity. It isn't that you have faith and and you're on JV and you've been forgiven of your sins, but if you really want to make it, then you need to get busy and do these things and then you'll be varsity. No, we have faith and that forgives our sins. We have faith and we are made right. The path to justification and the path to sanctification are both paths of faith. Paul begins by refuting an argument that was common that his critics had about him. People would often say about Paul, if it's all grace and we're justified by faith in God and we're sanctified by faith in God, then what's to keep people from just doing whatever they want? What's to keep people from just sinning as much as they want and then just say, OK, God, forgive me. I got faith, so I'm OK. Paul takes that argument, it was a common one, a common misunderstanding, and he tells them, looking in verses 17 through 19, he says, listen, if I turn back to my sin after trusting Christ, that's not on Christ, that's on me. Verse 18, he says, if I build again the things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. Paul said, if I realize that this this chair is not trustworthy and I walk away from it, I realize this chair is not trustworthy, so I throw it away. If I then go get it out of the trash and sit on it, it's on me when it collapses. It's not on Christ. He says, Christ is not the minister of sin if I sin while walking with Him. Christ is not the agent of sin if I sin while walking with Him. And to make this more clear, he goes on in verse 20 and says, I am crucified with Christ. In other words, I killed off my life in the flesh. I turned from sin to follow Jesus. I left that life behind and nailed it to the cross. I executed it. You know what Paul is saying? Paul is saying, I took my old sin nature and I threw it in the electric chair. I took my old desire to sin and I drowned it. I killed it off. I nailed it to a cross and I walked away from it. And when you and I realize that we are living a life of sin and we turn from that life to follow Christ, we are dying to that old life. We're dying to that old way of living. We're dying to those old activities. No longer am I going there. Today, I'm following Christ. From this day forward, I follow Christ. When I rejected those things which I had trusted in, I nailed them to the cross. I executed them because I'm living for Christ. By the way, this is what we show when we get baptized. When we're baptized, we lay back in the water to signify that Christ died on the cross. We are in the water to signify that Christ was put in a tomb. We come out of the water to signify that Christ rose from the dead. But we're also showing that we are dying to our old way of life. We have put that old man in the grave and we are raised to new life. We are raised to walk in a new way. We are raised to follow Jesus. And if I have trusted Jesus... If I've put my faith in him, I'm not going to return to that old chair that Satan keeps pulling out from under me. I'm not going to return to that old life that keeps disappointing me and leaving me battered and bruised and broken. I'm going to follow Jesus. And so Jesus isn't my get-out-of-jail-free card. He's my life. He's not something I trust in to, to give me carte blanche on what I want to do. He's the thing that transforms me and changes me. So faith gives me justification and faith makes me right. Faith makes me sanctified. For that reason, he says in verse 20, it's not me, it's him in this life. It's not me, it's him. <clears throat> I was crucified with Christ that I might live for him, and he lives in me. It's not me, it's him, is what he's saying. I'm thinking of, on this verse this week, and I remember one time I picked up Lincoln. And I was flying him around the living room like he was an airplane. And he's just giggling and laughing. Lincoln loves life when he's not beating up his sister, and he's just having a great time. And I'm making airplane noises. And Haven's sitting there, and she says, Lincoln, you're flying. You're flying. And Lincoln is laughing, and he says, No, it's dad. It's dad. And his three year old mind, he's like, Haven doesn't get it. Haven thinks I'm really flying. She doesn't know that it's dad. It's dad that's flying to me around the living room. And what Paul is saying here is, it's not me, it's Jesus. This life I'm living, it's not because I'm trying so hard. This life I'm living, it's not because I am so good. This life I'm living is, it's Jesus. I'm flying because Jesus is carrying me. I'm walking forward because Jesus is leading me. It's him, it's not me. And so Paul says, it's not me, it's Christ in me. I died back there. That old man is gone. The life that I live is just Christ in me from this point forward. I'm following him. I'm just following his lead. Every good step I've made, it's been because he showed me the way. Every obstacle I overcame, it's because he boosted me over. It's him. It's not me. So Paul says, "How could you? How could you think that you can do this on your own? When it's Christ. It's Christ in me. It's Christ in you. So when we get to chapter three, Paul is beside himself. He uses some really strong language." Verse 1 of chapter 3, he says, You fools! Who has has bewitched you? Who has tricked you? Verse 2, he says, Riddle me this, did you receive the Spirit through the the law or through faith? Verse 3, he says, Are you so foolish to think that what started in the Spirit is going to be finished in the flesh? Verse 4, he says, I've, have, have we gone through all of this in vain? Did you really not get that it was Christ all this time? Verse 5, he says, when the Spirit ministers among you and teaches you miracles, is that because of faith or because of the law? And He's asking them these questions because he's just beside himself. And i got to say that I totally get where Paul is coming from. There are times I look at my own life and I say, Goodness, Daniel, why in the world would you think that this depends on you? Because when I look back on my life, every phase, every phase where I failed were the phases where I had it in my hands. And every phase where things went well, it was in His hands. So why would I think that it's in me? I absolutely get where Paul is coming from because I've had this conversation with myself. I absolutely get where Paul is coming from because I've tried to have this conversation with some of you. What do you you think? What do you think it is that made the difference in you? What do you think made the, the transformation in your life? It was God's grace. It was His Spirit. He did that in you. Why would you think that you can go on on your own? Why would you think that you can handle it on your own now? You couldn't then. You can't now. It was God's grace then. It'll be His grace now. It was His power then. It'll be His power now. Why are you trying to pick it up? Let Him carry it. He is able. You are not. Every step of the way, it has been Him. It has been His power. It has been His grace. So set it down and let Him carry it. With Paul, I want to say, when your sins were forgiven, was that because you tried extra hard? Was that because you were so dedicated? No, it was because of God's grace and your faith in Him. When you found rest and hope and peace and joy, was it because you found the secret? No, it was because God was at work in you. It was Him. It was Him. It was Him. It is Christ in me. What Paul is saying is just as faith got you here, faith will get you there. Just as faith got you here, faith will get you there. And whatever it is that you are facing right now, whatever heartache you are experiencing, and whatever obstacle you have run up against, just as it was faith that brought you here, it is faith that will get you. And you don't need to graduate to the next grade. You don't need to make varsity. You just need to keep letting Him carry you. Because it is faith. Paul says, how is it that you were fooled? Verse 1, he says, Who hath bewitched you that you would not obey the truth? Before your eyes, Jesus Christ has been evidently set forth, crucified. Paul says, How are you fooled? You, Saul, Christ, I portrayed him before you. What is it that the Galatians are being convinced of? Someone is coming before them with an illusion and telling them, You can do it. If you have this, you'll be able to make it. And it's an illusion. Paul says, why are you looking to something other than Jesus? Who has cast a spell upon you that you are looking at something other than Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith? You see, this path of faith that brings us justification and sanctification, this path of faith Points to Christ because we are believing in Christ. I mean, think about all these verses that we just read. knowing that a man is not justified by works of the law, but by faith of Jesus Christ. Even we have believed in Jesus Christ, that we might be justified by faith in Christ. 2.17, we seek to be justified by Christ. 2.20, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. It's all about Jesus It's all about being in Christ. And Hebrews 12, 2 would say, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. You know what that says? That says literally He is the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. He blazed the trail and He leads us every step of the way. Jesus made our faith possible and He will make our faith perfect. Perfect. Earlier in chapter 2, Paul calls Peter out because he's not walking straight in accordance with the gospel. He's straying off the path. You know why he was straying off the path? Because in that moment, he was looking at the opinions of other people, and he was afraid of what they thought. He wasn't looking at Jesus, he was looking at those opinions. And whenever we take our eyes off of Christ... We will stray. You know the the very best way to walk a straight line, right? It's to choose a fixed point ahead of you and keep your eyes on it and walk towards it. Paul is saying, someone has cast a spell. Someone has bewitched you. Someone has distracted you. Someone has caused you to look elsewhere. But Christ was before you. He was before you. Look to Christ. He made your faith possible, and He'll make your faith perfect. Jesus gives us forgiveness of sin and wholeness of heart and spirit. Jesus gives us freedom from condemnation and peace and love and joy. And all the way through, from beginning to end, it's all about Jesus. And anywhere in between, where it is about me, or it is about some other thing, those are the moments when I will go astray. And here's the thing about putting your faith in something other than Christ It's like a cancer that spreads. Some of you, you took your eyes off of Christ when a new job opportunity came up. And you decided you were going to sit in that chair for a while. And as you went to sit down, Satan pulled it out from under you. And he laughed. And he came over and he said, Oh, that must have really hurt. Come have a seat in this. Come have a seat in this chair. Give yourself over to this. Give yourself over to to leisure. Give yourself over to this hobby. That's what you really need. And when you went to sit down, he pulled it out from under you again. And he said, Oh, that must have hurt. You're really broken and busted up. You need a break. Come try this. Come try this. You need this. You deserve this. Come try this. And what's he going to do? He's going to do exactly what he did every time. Why is Paul so brokenhearted over these churches and these people up in the mountains that have strayed from the gospel? Because he knows they're putting their faith in something that will be pulled out from under them and hurt them. He says, keep your eyes on Christ. Faith in Him is what brought you forgiveness of sin. Faith in Him is what will make you whole. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Father, I pray that You'd work in our hearts. And Lord, that if You laid Your finger upon anything in our heart, that we are trusting in over You. Lord, anything that has distracted us from our devotion to You, our life in You, Lord, may now be a moment that we offer it up in confession to You. Lord, I pray for the person who's facing difficulty, adversity. Lord, there's an obstacle before them. Lord, I pray that they would see that if they would give that to You, that You will lift them. Lord, that it's You in us. It is not us. It is You. Lord, it is Your strength. It is Your love. It is your hope just as much as it's your breath in our lungs. May we trust you for the forgiveness of our sins and the restoration of our hearts. Work in someone's life this morning, I pray, in your precious Son's name. Amen.